Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, this is... Black Menopause and Beyond, and I am the host, Anita Powell. Black Menopause and Beyond is a podcast that talks about the conversation around menopause, looking at menopause through my narrative, a woman of colour, also a larger woman and also a working class woman. So some of the topics I'll be talking about and interviewing people about will be looking at the topic but my narrative will be asking the questions. Or the podcast will be made up of a combination of interviews, but also me talking about topics that I've come across and and I'm going to explore with you. In today's show, it's my first interview, and it's with Jennifer. Jennifer is a poet, and she talks about her struggles with infertility and the menopause. And she also talks about the need to talk about the menopause with women and also within the black community. So enjoy. So hello, this is Anita, Anita Powell, and this is Black Menopause and Beyond. It's the first interview that I'm doing with somebody in relation to the podcast. So this is quite new for me in relation to the podcast jennifer is the first person to be part of it so i'm going to give you a clap jennifer Yay! thank you thank you <laughs> <laughs> i'm here speaking to jennifer she is a poet and she specializes in sexual poetry i've never heard of that before but she's got a poem which she will um Tell us at the end of the podcast. So I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah. hello, Jennifer. <laughs> Jennifer is laughing her head off. <laughs> hey, Jennifer. I am doing fine today. I am doing absolutely fine. I'm having a good day. That's good, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're here talking about the menopause, and I've got some questions for you. So, Jennifer, when mm-hmm. were you first told that you were? perimenopause? I believe it was after I had my son. No, sorry, after I had my daughter. I have two children. After I had my daughter, um, when I had my first child. um, I'm trying to think when it came about, because I remember the doctors telling me it was going to be really difficult for me to have any more children. And but I didn't ask them why. And they didn't tell me why. 
um, after I had my daughter. And I thought, oh, maybe something's gone wrong and they don't want to tell me about it because I'm so young. So I was 21 at the time and I thought probably they think I can't take it. So they don't want to tell me, you know, they'll tell me somewhere, you know, in five years time, they'll say it was this. I actually had no no idea. I didn't have a clue. No one. I'd never. They never actually used the term perimenopausal. They just said it I was going to be. It was going to be difficult for me to have children in future. And um, they weren't really clear on what the difficulty would be. Oh, so, so they didn't use the word perimenopause. Um, no, no, they didn't. They, they no, not back in. That was that was uh, back in the day. <laughs> you know, my daughter was born in the nineteen. Yeah, three years ago. No, and that was nineteen. That was in 1990. My daughter was born in 1990. She was born in um, Luton in a very busy health service. How long ago was that then? So I'm, I'm losing track. She's, she's, that's 30 years ago. She's 31 years ago. 31 years ago. I've got to correct that on my notes. Then. Okay. Yeah. So wh- when did you know what you, how do you know you were paying? How do you know you're perimenopausal then if the doctor didn't... That, came, that information I found out later on after speaking to people, but it was much later on when I was in my 40s. So I'll get there eventually. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. So so I understood what I was going through as she, she was a perimenopause, but I didn't know for a very, very long time. It's not something I investigated because... I was young. We were a young couple, young married couple. We had a lot going on. We It was not something we focused on on a big while. We didn't even focus on the fact that we, we could possibly not have any more children because we thought it was a load of nonsense. <laughs> we thought it was medical non- mumbo jumbo. Just let the medics get on and do what they do. You know, fix people. You don't need fixing. You're fine. <laughs> you know? 21. So that, that's quite young, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand why you just ignored them because you fell pregnant once. You, you know, mm, one, you could yeah. do exactly. I'm quite young. I mean, that's, it sounded ridiculous at the time. And to, to both myself and my husband, it sounded really stupid. And um, we, we were people, as a couple, we were people who always rolled the dice. And um, and that's where we were. We rolled, we rolled the dice. I presume the, the doctors didn't go into much detail then. No, they didn't. They didn't tell me anything. I didn't get, I I got little clues along the way, but we go on, I'll probably tell you, you'll probably notice what the little clues were. I got little clues along the way, but I didn't actually get a whole big picture until I was in my 40s. So I think you mentioned to me earlier that you you were told you did have a low um, egg count. So there definitely was fertility issues. No, no, I didn't have, I didn't have a a low egg count. They just didn't, they just told me I was just, you know what I mean? I I assumed that I had a low egg count. So my, my bad, I assumed that I had one. I didn't have a low egg count. They just said that I wouldn't have any, you know, there'll be difficulty having children in future. So, um, you know, I assumed it. And then I realized, you know, when I got into my 40s, I didn't realize actually when you get into the menopause or when you're in the menopause or perimenopause, it means that your eggs are just getting older. So they can't stand the pace, <laughs> which is why. You know, I can't stand the pace of anything. So what it is, you know, when you, you, you go into perimenopause, there, there is a question about fertility question there is a question but I didn't know that at the time we like I said we were a young couple we rolled the dice we just continued rolling the dice and um we wondered after six years later you know why aren't I pregnant yet oh perhaps you know we just keep missing the the the, the good time so we continued rolling the dice (laughs) 
<laughs> so during this time period, were you experiencing symptoms of um, perimenopause? It's really funny you ask that question because um, uh, I, I think I emergently called you about this because I saw mood swings. I am the queen of the mood swing. I didn't realise that I actually was having mood swings at all. I had mood swings in my early 20s. I've continuously had mood swings. And I know they're mood swings because they are things that are very, very small that the menopause makes very, very big. <laughs> and I, and I, I had no idea that I was subject to mood swings. But I am. I am. I thought because um, I, it was just because I'm a Scorpio and Scorpios are notoriously best tempered, but <laughs> that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, you know, we, you know, Scorpios have got a terrible, terrible. I thought, yeah, I thought it was because I'm a Scorpio, but actually, I actually have really bad mood swings, and um, I describe it as basically going to. I basically walk towards the edge of a cliff. I look over and I get really vexed with the view. And there's no there's no proper real reasoning for it. So where did you learn about the menopause and where did you understand that your um, was menopause? I, I didn't understand the, uh, you know, the menopause until I think I had a clue when I had my son, because my son is 10 years um, younger than my daughter. When I had my son 10 years on from there, it was quite a surprise, a massive surprise, because by the time I got to about 28, 29, I was thinking, OK, maybe this is not going to happen. You know, maybe we're not going to have any more children. Maybe the doctors were right. And then I was pregnant and it was pregnant, suddenly pregnant, because um, I was up a ladder painting <laughs> with my husband. We were painting the bedroom together and um, nearly fell off the ladder because I was fainting because I was pe- pregnant. <laughs> I had no idea. So my husband said, you're pregnant. Go and get a test. And I said, I, I beg your pardon. I was, I was like, go and get a test. I, yeah, I can't get pregnant. And he goes, yes, you can go and get a test. <laughs> and I got a test. And um, to cut a long story short, by the time I was actually three and a half months pregnant with my son they found a baby in there it's because they couldn't find when they, I did several scans with the hospital and they couldn't find a baby and they said it was a dose pregnancy but actually Junior was alive and well and kicking <laughs> quite relieved then yeah it was, yeah it was a big relief because the thing is I did I, I did a lot more scans than the normal woman who's pregnant would do because I was insisting I was pregnant and they were, kept, they, they were insisting there was no baby. And um, I just kept going back and back and back until they found the baby. And they was like, yes, you are well over three months old. <laughs> baby is well over three relieved. months. <laughs> yes, very relieved. Very, very relieved. Um, yeah, because... Um, was totally unplanned. Yes. At that point, had you given up? At that point, we had given up, yeah. Because we had, you know, he was totally unplanned. We had a one-bedroom flat and we had to move. <laughs> because basically, you know, um, we had a 10-year-old and we had a newborn baby. So um, that was a big thing. And um, I'm, I'm still, I sent my bills to the doctor for the house buying and the additional work and the losing of money and losing of jobs <laughs> because of me. Yes, I don't think they're to blame, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I sent the, I've sent I the bill. I made a degree, but I didn't do the posting. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think that was the start of me writing again. I started, I think I wrote a, a, a joking letter to the doctor saying, dear doctor, you know, remember you said I couldn't have any children. This is a picture of my son. This is a bill for the house that we had to move to. This is a bill for his university he's going to now. It was, it's been quite an interesting time. And, um, and I know he's actually next door and he's doing his university work. So yeah, he's actually here. <laughs> did you try did you continue trying after he was born yes we did but we didn't have any further children obviously and not even a sign or a clue or nothing um you know but you know after him that was it um you know I, you know he was yeah we were told very strongly i remember at the age of 22 23 we were told very strongly that we were not going to have any more children it was not going to happen and he's next door <laughs> okay. miracle child <laughs> sorry yeah. Miracle yeah. Child. when you reflect back I know you mentioned about mood swings but when yeah. you reflect back do you what other symptoms have you experienced the other clue is I remember um, being in hospital because I'm an asthmatic and I had a really massive asthma attack and of course, in hospital, they take blood. They take blood for everything. They take blood just to see if you, you have any blood. And it turned out that I actually didn't have a lot of blood. One of the tests I did, and it was like, actually, it's not that you didn't have a lot of blood. It's just that your iron is super low. And um, they wanted to make sure that I was all right. So even though they'd cured the asthma attack, I actually had to stay in hospital a lot longer because my iron was so low and it was dangerously low. So, and uh, and I was like, I don't feel any different to when I actually walked into A&E. <laughs> And they said, no, your iron was very dangerously low. So we have to give you, you know, we're going to start giving you iron and then we're going to start giving you iron tablets and we can do everything we can to boost it up because they said, don't you feel tired? And I was like, not, I operate on tired. And it sounds weird, but I've always operated as being on being tired. And I had no idea that that was then I was about 33, 34 then I had no idea then that was a menopausal symptom, but I do now. I realise operating on tired is constantly is not a good thing. And I operated on tired for many, many, many years. So on reflection then, do you feel that your understanding of your symptoms and condition has just been a mishmash of being told a bit here, a bit there, and talking to friends and Google? Yes, Google, talking to friends on Google. I, I only got truly enlightened when, when I actually did a staff away day um, for a company I was working with. And um, they had a lady day who knew all about the menopause. And she told me about the tiredness, the low iron, the mood swings. She told me about all those things. And I was like, <laughs> it was like a revelation. It was, you know, it was like seeing an alien, basically. <laughs> you know, I've just seen an alien land on the lawn. Wow. <laughs> it was all this information that I didn't know before. And I thought, so all those things, that, what about the things my mother spoke about? Did she ever speak about this? And, um, she never spoke to me about this at all, ever, um, even as an adult, you know, a proper adult, two children, etc. She'd never, ever spoken to me about this. And um, I'd never overheard any her or any of her friends talk to each other about this when they came round. And, you know, they'd all come round and have a natter in the front room that nobody was allowed. No children were allowed to go into. <laughs> you know. This is probably why we were banned, because they didn't want us to learn about, you know, they didn't want the female children when the women were all talking to learn about menopause. 
this is probably why we were all banned. And um, my mother, um, I remember my mother going away for a period of time. She had to go to hospital to have an operation. It turned out that she had an operation to tie it into the menopause. It was, um, what's the one? I can't remember when you have your ovaries removed. What, a hysterectomy or something? Hysterectomy, yeah. She had a hysterectomy. So she went into, to, um, is it yeah. forced menopause or medical menopause? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she had a hyst- her hysterectomy. She had to have a hysterectomy. And I remember when she came home, my dad just said, "Mom's not very well. Leave her alone. <laughs> no, don't do, I do everything for her, but don't do anything. Don't, you know, don't give her any moderation because she's not well." And um, I was like, "Okay." And I was the youngest, and I, I still didn't understand. I had no idea. Um, I had another little clue. My sister didn't get pregnant until she was in her forties. Oh, really? So you've um hormonal fertility issue within the women? Mm, she didn't get pregnant until she was in her 40s, way in her 40s. So yeah. why? I, I don't know, because she never really said. But uh, what, she, what she did say is that all of, the, all of us women in our family, all the women, my, my mother had seven sisters. We all went through the menopause early. And she's talking really early, in 20s, 19, blah, blah, blah. We were all perimenopausal, and that's when I had to go and Google and see what in the world was perimenopausal and what did it mean. And, and obviously my mother's sisters never got treated because all of they all remained in Jamaica and in Jamaica, you have to pay for everything. And if you can get away with being tired all the time, like I was in England, <laughs> if you can get away with, you know, you don't really pay attention to these things, you know, they could, you know, and if you have children, you don't really think that this is going to disrupt your lifestyle. My mother's mother had like nine children. None of the women in the family line have had that many children. Does that make sense? There's been children, but there's there's been what most people have just had one or two. Exactly, exactly. They, you know, it's they don't have. They none of them had. You know, loads and loads of children, which is is different. I presume your sister, who had the child in their forties, had assistance then, because you said everyone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't know because she worked for the health service, so I can't. You know, I I forgot to ask her, so I should have asked her about this. So I don't know if she she had an assistance, but she had. You know, she's got one. She's got one child. She had a struggle. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that um, you never heard your mum speak about the menopause. Oh no. <laughs> And that's really common, really, really common. Uh, After you were, you know, when you were an adult and you had problems, could you talk to your mum about it? No, I couldn't. No, I didn't. She was like, you know, um, oh, you're probably, you know, uh, we didn't talk very much about, we never, we didn't have a background in talking in, about those sort of things so we so I didn't talk to my mother naturally about those sort of things because it just would have been far too embarrassing to say oh mum you know been trying to get pregnant for the last 10 years and nothing's happening and all of a sudden I'm pregnant with a junior I'm pregnant it um it didn't I spoke to my sister and the reason why I spoke to my sister is because my sister was 10 years older than me and she was a midwife and she knew all the ins and outs about what was difficult about having children and stuff and which is why she sort of gave me a bit of information she was at the top of her game then she was very very busy so but she did give me a bit of information about 
us being normal perimenopausal and that making it difficult to have children, but not impossible. Um, in some cases, not all. So, so um, in some scenarios, you can be menopausal and fall. So I didn't quite understand that, but it actually does make sense because perimenopause is, is just a kind of hormonal decline, isn't it? Yeah, it's a hormonal decline. Yeah. It, yeah, it's when things are, everything is slowing down. You yeah. know, when I said that the, the eggs are getting old, it's not really true. We, always, we, we, we joke about it when we say the eggs are getting old. <laughs> they can't cope with the pressure anymore. But it, it's, it's not really true. It's just everything is slowing down. We weren't meant to, you know, when I look at the history of the human being, we weren't built to have children past a certain age. I mean, also, I have to also say as well that the menopause um, back in the day was also a sign of end of life because not yes. many women lived after the early 50s, did they? Whereas now, if you, I think in this country, the average age for the menopause um, is 51. Now, if you think about it, you turn into an adult in your, um, when you're 18. Um, yeah. and you, the average age of passing away is, is in your early 80s to late 70s. So mm. at 50, is halfway through your adult life. That's yeah. 30 years from when you turned 18, roughly. Yes. And it's 30 years before you, you know, the end of life. Yes. Once upon a time, it was end of life. So things happen yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, and anything else around that obviously would not be noticed. And um, because of the way our medical system is set up against an, an Arctic really victorianism the way our medical system is set up we don't there's not been a lot of change in the thinking so when they say you are going through the menopause it's like you know some doctors like the you know my original doctor said oh yeah you know it, you might be difficult to have children rather than say by the way uh you are perimenopausal he just said you might find it difficult to have children <laughs> didn't help <laughs> you know? she didn't help at all no didn't help um, and um, yeah not useful and uh, yeah I basically had to find out a, a lot of information myself and it's basically getting involved and talking to other women hearing about other women's um, what they're going through what I've been through um, yeah it's like I didn't have hot flush until I was in my 40s Okay. Late 40s. I didn't have my first hot flush and I didn't even know I was having a hot flush. I thought I was just now I know actually because they are more persistent. <laughs> I know it's a hot flush. It's <laughs> helpful to have your sister as a midwife to give you some guidance yes. in some sense. So I mean a lot of people are talking about the menopause now in the past few years, which is really good. Yeah. It's helping out a lot of women. Mm. Um but do you think enough black people? are talking about the menopause? I don't think black people take it seriously. I think they're a bit like me and my husband. We didn't take it seriously because we just, we didn't know what it was and nobody explained it to us and I never investigated, you know, because as a woman, you know, the men expect the women to in, to investigate the women teams. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is the women's teams. It's not the men's teams. It's the women teams. So, so <laughs> you can't. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's very different for like our generation. You know, you can't really. Yeah, you can't say 
<laughs> no more. We, if we had known more, would we have done different? Anything different? Um, I don't think so. When I look back, I don't know if I'd done anything different. I probably would have. It would have been nice to be more informed and know what was coming. But some people, they don't want to be more informed because if you know what is coming, anything that happens that's different to your body, it freaks you out. You're like, oh, no, this is it. This is the end. I'm in my menopause. <laughs> you know? I mean, okay. the, the, the reality is for some people, if they, I suppose, know the information regarding their fertility, they might think it's the end and give up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you tried for, what, 10 years? Yeah. Well, some people have given up. Yeah. Did it have an impact on your relationship with your husband? No, it didn't, because we were having a lot of sex. I'm just telling you how it is. You know, we're black people, actually. You know, we're black people and we're old enough. And, you know, it didn't. No, it didn't. <laughs> you, know, you know, we had a fabulous time, but that's because we didn't know. You know, these days they work out the percentages and the possibilities of it, of you not having children and things like that. They they give you a percentage, you know, or or they tell you it's one in how many or five in how many with the same condition as you. Yeah, it, we yeah we didn't know it was we you know I didn't know anything about anything until like I said until late forties. It's taken me a while, so I'm catching up. Whereas some people. Um, having learned and seen certain shows and spoken to people now and listened to their stories. Some people have been going through it since they were 14. I'm like, <laughs> 14, you know, and, and at 14, they just would have said, oh, you're just moody. <laughs> you know, it's just moody. Yeah, they would, yeah, they would have just said, you're just moody. You know, she, she's just, you know, you know, how dare she, you know, <laughs> how dare she lose, lose it. She's being scorpion. I'm quite not to swear because I've used a lot of swear words in a lot of time. Over, yeah. And it, the menopausal vexedness, yes, has caused me to have a large swearing vocabulary. And I'm aware that a lot of people are going to be listening. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying not to swear. <laughs> but Thank you for trying not to swear. Thank you. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm working on it. Yes. Handling the language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because. <laughs> so, I mean, long... I appreciate you talking to me today. Oh. So, do you find it uncomfortable talking about the menopause? Not when I'm speaking to another woman. I, uh, woman, when with men, they usually switch off. Um, you know, so, you know, unless you're talking about the things and how you can make the things better, they, they switch off. <laughs> you know and um not enough um black black men are experiencing our men are experiencing their inner you know embracing their inner female and being able to truly understand what is going down it would be interesting to hear from a man's experience and just for him to say when you're actually on the receiving end of a mood swing it feels like this <laughs> you know <laughs> you know um <clears throat> uh, my other half wasn't on the end of a mood swing the other day and they didn't and they were like damn <laughs> you know that's what so do, i mean do you, do you think that for some relationships the menopause is a destructive thing it can be very destructive, very destructive, because one minute you have a person who is always happy-go-lucky and able to run, roll with the punches and all the rest of it, and the next minute 
you can have someone who is raging like a bear and is not interested in your crap. Or perceives whatever you're you're pushing as as you know, and they won't perceive it as anything else. And it might be what they say. Um ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. True and reasonable, the argument that you're giving, but at that point, nah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're just not wearing it. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I asked you to wash up the dishes at nine o'clock this morning. Why aren't they still washed up? <laughs> it's now, it's now five past ten, and they're still not washed up, and it's annoying me. Exactly. And and in your head, you know, you've got this man coming out. You've got you, you got yourself holding a little act, <laughs> you know, waiting to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, waiting. You know, you just want to to fell that person, and um, yeah, it it's bad. The mood swings, and um, you really have to. It, it's really difficult to get a hold of them. Really, really difficult because I remember once um, my car was getting fixed, and it, and it'd been back to the same mechanic three times, and this was the third time, and he was still messing around with it, and he still hadn't got it done. And I went to the garage and I, I cussed him out so hard that he phoned my husband <laughs> and told him, come and get your wife because <laughs> I think she's going to commit a, a crime. <laughs> In other words, I mean, yeah, a crime, come and get your wife. Please. A crime. I think she's, you know, I think she's actually going to commit a crime and she'll be jailed by the police. And I don't want to see her go down. You're a really lovely couple, but she's not a nice person now. <laughs> you know I, mean? I mean, that I'm wasn't how big the garage. <laughs> The man in, yeah, the mechanic. No, I mean, I mean, that's not how the, the the conversation went down between the mechanic and my husband. But that's basically the clean version. <laughs> okay. okay, then. Okay. Yes, you you edited it for. Um, yes, for yes, yes. Thanks very much. <laughs> yes, I edited it for you. It was it was not good, um, because 
Yeah, there's many swear words that I don't know. <laughs> How did you handle the symptoms? I mean, are you on HRT? No, no, because I'm too old now. Why? I, I thought you can use HRT at any, HRT at any time. I don't, I, thought, I don't think they give... Do they still give it to women over 50? To be honest with you, I don't know. I thought, I I thought, I thought they did, but I, I okay. don't... I bet, I bet I they must do because I know someone who who recently was on it and they're over fifty. Yeah, I I, I think um, I'll ask my doctor about it because I've never tried it, and um, it might put me in a better mood. Who knows? I might be smiley smiley all over again. Might be lovely to deal with. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Friends of mine will tell you that I I get the face when I'm disappointed mm-hmm. and I go very quiet because I don't want to have the mood swing, as in come out swinging in front of them. <laughs> I don't want to get this woman's hormones. Exactly. Don't mess with my hormones. My hormones don't play. They they don't take prisoners. They take they will literally take life. That's <laughs> <laughs> not cool. You <laughs> need to check if someone if someone survived or got away with murder. <laughs> no, not in my household. <laughs> no, not in my household. How does it affect you at work? Um, at work, it's because work-wise is very stressful. I, I you have to hold when you're in work as a person of color. And if you work with a lot of people who are not people of colour, shall we say, you naturally hold a lot of things down. You naturally, um, there are a lot of things that don't come out, uh, especially when you have to be in a super professional environment. So I've worked with environments where I've been surrounded by what I call a lot of the cousins. And I've been worked in environments where I've been surrounded by a mixture of people but because it's been a high professional environment, as in they're a corporate, you, you, I've been very lucky because I haven't stayed with them a very long time. So a lot of the time I'm brought into the corporates, I do something specific for them. And then I'm saying, Tati, bye. Thank you for my check. <laughs> um, so a lot of the, the pulling of the hair and a lot of the mood swings happens at home in front of my computer. So by the time I actually walk through the door, I'm, I, you know, I'm like a human being. And um, it always reminds me of that, you know, that movie Teen Wolf, where uh, there's a movie called Teen Wolf, where this guy gets really angry and he transfers, he transforms into a werewolf. So whenever he loses his anger, he transforms into a werewolf and that's it. He's, he's raging and carrying on. And then when he comes down, werewolf is gone. And that's basically it. It's a bit like, yeah, it's like the Hulk as well. Hulk moments. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. David Banner, the lovely, mild-mannered scientist. <laughs> you know? I think he was <laughs> Yeah, I think definitely, if you, yeah, you see the image. So I'm working in my home. I'm doing corporate work. They can't see the Hulk. I come in the door. I have a nice suit on. David Banner, <laughs> how do you do? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. It, it's very very tough to manage. Uh, it's tough to manage in the workplace when you're having hot flushes and people keep changing the temperature in the workplaces, and you just want to turn into the Hulk and strangulate them. <laughs> it's it's very yeah. It can be. Yeah, it can be tough to manage in those situations. And, um, yeah, for some reason, I think 
we believe we can be the Hulk with people who are closest with us. And we can't be the Hulk with corporates because they don't understand the Hulk. They understand is, by the way, did you finish that report? (laughs) Well, you don't want to lose your job, do you? No, you don't. You don't want to lose your job. And that's it. And at the end of the day. And um, yeah, and there's a lot of things I put in place so that I don't actually lose my everything with people. <laughs> there's a lot of I use. There's a lot of things I do in place. Um, one of them is if I have a bad conversation and I know it's going to run through my head the whole of the day. If I'm having a bad conversation, I write. I will write it all down and I'll write out exactly how I feel about the person and then I'll throw it away. Because I know it just after that, you know, I've let it all out. Do you uh, you throw it at them? No, no, no. I can't throw it at them. I throw it away. (laughs) Throw it away. Yeah, I I throw it away. I actually dispose of it. And um, you know, and then I find like we used to have a swear box in one of the places I worked in, and I put an awful lot of money in that swear box. We've gone on. We went on some big meals. (laughs) because we can't f and z inside the office because everybody's constantly on the telephone but once you leave the office it's like meal time drinks time because that box was and i know i know i filled up that swear box (laughs) and sometimes i don't even say anything and you just the money just comes out manager that if you didn't use hrt did you use alternative medicine did you did you focus on food i i focused on food first okay i focused on food first because that meeting that i had in my 40s um that was way back at uh, shuttleworth college and it was brilliant that meeting that i had was an insight into what food can do to you on when you're on the men when you're perimenopausal and what it does to mood swings and everything and what it does to the way you can function and the reason being is um <laughs> i'll tell you a joke what came out of it myself and a workmate sat in the same course she's slightly younger than me and uh, we went back to the office and we decided to test the theory so we were not supposed to make loads of phone calls that's the reason why we went back to the office was we had loads of calls to make and um we said we'd spend the first half hour making all these calls back to back doing what we had to do then we'd stop take a break and go and get some ice cream. Now, sugar is a big menopausal no-no, <laughs> you know, especially when you've got your, your adrenaline is going and you're on a buzz and whatever. And that's, and that's basically your adrenaline's going, you're in the workplace, you're doing your job. It's like, yeah, let's stop and have some sugar now. Let's give ourselves a treat. So we went and got these ice creams. No-no. Sorry? Why is it a big no-no? It's a big no-no because if you have a lot of sugar, a high-impact sugar, it can actually you should do the experiment do the experiment any menopausal person go and do the experiment we did go out and buy yourself the biggest ice cream with everything on it i mean i mean everything all the flakes and all the the um squidgy things you can get on it and jellies and everything just get everything on the ice cream it's fantastic and then try and make a phone call after that and see how you fare you may have difficulty enunciating you may have um, you may have brain fog. You can't remember words. <laughs> you know, you will find a lot of things um, happen because of sugar through the menopause. Um, one thing I did do is I actually gave up sugar a few years ago because I realised sugar was giving me a lot of problems. So I gave up sugar a few years before that. So when I went out there and had the ice cream, 
that was like and came back into the office and started to get on the phone, it basically behaved like a massive narcotic <laughs> that I had just taken. And I could not speak to people. I had brain fog. I, I'd read the person's name like I'd see Anita down there and it'll come out as Anna. <laughs> and Anna, tell me how you're feeling today. It will be, it was diabolical. And um, my boss witnessed me do all these phone calls and I witnessed her do all the phone calls and she couldn't do them either. She was, she was in problems. And she said, does that mean I'm menopausal? And I said, yes, it does. And I said, the other thing I find is um, I'm less angry now because I gave up ca caffeine, gave up coffee entirely. It's made me less angry, gave up caffeine. And um, it was very hard to drink up, give up caffeine because I like the little shots of Italian, you know, the small, tiny cups you get of, I um, can't remember what it's called, Co uh, Italian coffee, and it's lovely. And um, could not function on those can't function on those can't function on big cups of coffee don't drink tea anymore um i've always had decaf and um now my children they children laugh at me <laughs> the adults in my household they laugh at me because they call me the uh, they say i drink water tea <laughs> because I, I drink teas with nothing in it yeah. you know but fruit or ginger sometimes I put the real stuff in it I actually buy a lemon and I'll and I'll buy ginger and I'll grater it and I'll make it in a tea or I'll boil the ginger and drink the juice with lemon and that's my lemon tea made for the day um, sometimes I put a cinnamon stick in there I'll grind cinnamon or I'll put one in I'll boil one in it um, sometimes I'll use lemongrass which you can get from many many different shops you don't have to go to Tesco's <laughs> you know food um, I eat a lot more vegetables um, I still like my meat as well I find I don't have problems with that but I do exercise a lot more and I find my stress levels in terms of mood swings they do go down when they do go down when I exercise um it's the endorphins because obviously you get the endorphins you feel happy you, your endorphins can last you all day if you have a good shot of exercise and and it doesn't matter what you do because I am a super lazy person and all I used to do was walk <laughs> you know that's all I used to do that's all you need to do <laughs> all I used to do was walk yeah doing nothing walking gardening um, yeah. can make a difference yeah, walking, gardening, being outside, just, uh, uh, um, I only recently, it's only since COVID, I've started to do, step up my exercise, to be honest. I'm sorry that I mentioned the C word. <laughs> I was okay. going to ask you about COVID. I know that I didn't send over that question to you, but I was actually going yeah. to ask, has, a, has COVID had an impact either on your symptoms or has it had an impact on how you have looked after yourself? It had an impact on the way I look after myself because of the fact that I'm an asthmatic and also I have half a lung. And because I have half a lung, which got destructed a long time ago, I had to look after myself better than just walking. So I do do a full set of exercises now. I couldn't do them in the beginning. I was really bad at them. If I was in a gym, people would be laughing after me all the time. I worked in it. I tried on it. I watched carefully what people were doing. I also have a bad back because I have... A, bad disc in my naughty disc in my back so I have to be careful so some exercises I do not do um, because I haven't had physiotherapy I listened very very hard to my physiotherapist who was very expensive at the time <laughs> and, uh, 
And he told me what exercises I could do with my back and what exercises I should never do anymore with my back. And um, he just said, just don't do it. Because basically, one of these days, your back will lock and you'll be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, it's the truth. So, yeah, I I exercise. Um, I do eat well, um, but I do stay away from the big ones, caffeine and sugar. And I do love my marshmallows. Yes, I do. And I do. And I don't miss the caffeine at all, but I do miss the sweets. I used to eat a lot of chocolate. I do miss it. You know, do do you still drink alcohol or I am? No, well, I don't. I used to drink rum. And of course, rum is made from sugar. Oh, no. Yes. I was a hardened rum drinker. Let me tell you, I like my overproof Ray and nephew. I like my apple turns. Anything you can near me can drink it. But listen, I was a steady Eddie on the rum, man. Rum never used to drunk me. But what rum did is that a day later, I'd be having mood swings. I'd be absolute moody. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. And I didn't realize that's attributable to all the things, wonderful things that are rum, and not because I had a hangover, because I never had a hangover. No, you never no, exactly. Um, I do like Prosecco, but some Proseccos are a bit sweet and it's because of the sugar content and I can't function on that. So I stick to gin, I, gin and the many different tonics. And some of the tonics now are getting sweeter and sweeter and I just stay away from them. I get a plain tonic and do me, <laughs> you know, and, and that'll do me. I, the older I get, the less I drink, um, the less sweeties I have, the less things that I really enjoy I have. And I remember a friend of mine saying, um, the older you get, you don't die of old age, you die of starvation. Because <laughs> it's all this stuff you can't and shouldn't eat. And you, wanna... <laughs> you die of starvation because you eat this, you don't necessarily shrink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, but it's like, it's not necessarily true, but it's like, you know, they said, you know, and I, I just thought it was really funny because, you know, it's, I realise diets are Pacific. They're not for everyone. Some people can't do diets at all. And it doesn't matter what they try, they can't do it. At one point, I weighed, this is about, oh, when I had my son, I was having the, the McDonald's thing. I weighed, I was a size 22. I don't know how much I weighed, but I was a size 22, 24. And I'm five foot three. So then, so really and truly, I was carrying a lot. And I stopped eating the chocolate. And when I, that was the first thing I did. And it was really, really hard to do. But now I can go in the shop and not buy chocolate. But I realised... So giving up sugar was really hard for you then? Giving up sugar was very, very hard. And it's taken me... It's taken me about 15 years or more to just give up sugar. And then when I gave it up, I when I say gave it up, I was able to... I can have a little bit of chocolate. I do now and again. I realise I do not have to eat the whole pack, the the biggest bar in the shop of chocolate that I can find, <laughs> you know, which I think I believe is one ninety nine and it's Cadbury's at the moment and it's just about this big, it's <laughs> massively. And I realise I don't actually have to buy that and eat that all by myself. That's I realise, uh, you know, I don't have to buy the biggest, you know, how many bags of buttons and eat them all in one go. <laughs> I realise I don't have to have, you know. I give myself a little treat every now and again, you know, but I realise that, um, yeah, and, and I think it's important to treat yourself. So with regards to treating yourself, one thing I have learned about um, um, the menopause, self-care is so important. Most yeah. women have either 
no interaction or little interaction with their doctors or with the hospital, or mm-hmm. but they could potentially go through the menopause. But most women mm-hmm. go through the perimenopause and menopause and postmenopause for around 10 years. Yeah. The doctor interaction. So it is about understanding how to take care of yourself. And you have to know, you don't know what to look for. You have to know what to look for. Look, how many years I went and I didn't know what to look for. And I was given big gaping clues all over the place. However, I did not attribute it to the menopause. It was just attributed, oh, you ain't got no iron? You need more iron, we'll give you iron. Oh, you're not going to have a child? Oh, you had a child. Well done. Move along. <laughs> Next! <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's a lot of things that happened to me that I didn't, they they didn't actually say menopause. Uh, they And they weren't saying the menopause until I was, like I said, well into my 40s. And then I had to do my homework. One of the things you mentioned, but you didn't really go into much detail, or uh, we haven't gone into full detail, is about the fact that your mum didn't really talk to you about what she went through when, when you were younger. And even mm-hmm. when you were going through your struggle, she didn't talk about it. No. Do you, after that experience, do you talk to your daughter about Yes. It? Yes. Yes, I do. Because I don't want her to experience what I did. I don't want her to not know what's coming if it's coming you know and I don't want her to I don't want her to be in the dark of the fact of the family history as well because a lot of the things that when doctors diagnose certain things to do with women they always ask about the family history the female line the female history and um you know we have a lot of things going on on our female line um and that I realize it's a you know because I know the history it's like you know definitely have to you know be aware and being aware of how to deal with certain things is much better than just wandering around in the darkness like I was I feel like it's a lot of time wasted and had I known when I was 25 even what I know now it would have made things a lot easier even though they didn't say that we couldn't have children they just said it was unlikely, you know. They didn't say, oh, no, you can't have children. They said it was unlikely that we were going to have any more. Yeah, we didn't really have a reason why. Uh, I, I guess they thought, oh, they're a black couple, they'll work it out. <laughs> I think they did that with everyone. I, I, I mean, based on from what I understand, it's 2021, and a large mm. proportion of doctors have not been trained in the menopause, a large proportion. It's 2021. And it makes you think, well, considering the fact that it affects 50% of the population and it, it's connected to your hormones, why do so many GPs? And the ones that do know, they haven't really studied it much. It's, it's something which, you know, it's not, they don't go into great detail. So it's quite shocking. Yeah, it's very shocking. I've come to the end of the interview and I, mm-hmm. I really appreciate you giving me your time and being quite open and frank about your experience. And this is discussing quite private stuff. So I really do appreciate it. But I, I want to hear some of your poetry. And yes, it does have some sex bits in it. <laughs> Not a lot. Uh, it does have some bits in it. Not a lot. So um was inspired by a lot of the things that I heard. So as the inspirational title of the menopause, doctors don't always listen. I'm pushing 60 up a steep hill. And they say, they're still asking me if I need an obstetrician. If only they dealt with the menopause, you see. Had a hot flush, 
medical science isn't fussed. Wait till your blood clots don't easily flush, then you have a problem. If only they dealt with the menopause, you see. Dryness. Medical science doesn't have the budget for down there. They don't really care. You can control it by diet. Plus drink plenty of water. But that does not work for everybody. As diets need to fit you personally. And that costs big money. And it can only be done privately. If only they dealt with the menopause, you see. Losing your hair, medical science don't care. Feeling sad, they'll give you a pill or advise you to make yourself happy or find a new skill as long as it isn't poetry. If only they dealt with the menopause, you see. Scientists, we women, make up half the population. Do you men need any more authentication? Next time I'm coming back as a man. Come as you dare. I'm Will. I am. Bald is sexy. Can exercise my beer belly. And when things don't work, there is always Viagra, Viagra, you see. Don't need to waste time, a pull and jerk. Let's not celebrate now with a cup of tea. If only they dealt with the menopause, you see. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> if only they dealt with the menopause, you see. Had my first podcast poetry. I'm going to start another podcast about menopause poetry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just put in everything everything <laughs> that's so cool everything that's why I said if the ladies listen to it they see themselves in it it's because they said something to me and it ended up in there <laughs> okay. that's how it is well thank you very much Jennifer. you're welcome um, it's been an absolute pleasure listening to your story you're very, very welcome. Thank you for asking. And I'm very happy to share it. And um, I don't know how helpful it will be. <laughs> you know, yeah. I hope it will be. And um, I hope it will definitely encourage more young women to ask questions. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Jennifer was very open and very frank and talked about her infertility and her struggles with regards to menopause. She also mentioned about the need for the black community to talk and also take fertility and menopause seriously. Please like, follow my social media and also my podcast links to be kept up to date with future podcasts. Thank you. This is the host, Anita Powell, for Black Menopause and Beyond. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.